Hello and welcome to Superfancast. My name is Chris. I'm joined by Matt, and this is season two, episode ten. Peter Gabriel. Peter Gabriel, also known as Slipper Man. <laughs> oh God, don't! <laughs> I'm having nightmares about Slipper Man. Giant walking rice pudding with balloons tied to his groin. That Slipper Man's the most bizarre. I mean, there, there's a lot of bizarre characters and a lot of stuff of nightmares in his Genesis days, but Slipper Man is quite terrifying. I think. Yeah. Yeah, and there's like weird English Batman and uh, Fox Face with a with a dress on. Yeah, and the Reverend is a bit scary as well. Oh God, yeah, they're they're all like um, sleep paralysis demons, aren't they? Oh, definitely. Yeah, the Reverend. I think he's wearing like a um, like a stocking on his head, so his face is all like uh, smushed a little bit, and then he's got makeup on on top of the stocking. It's ter- it's terrifying. Oh, that's weird. That's yeah. Weird. <laughs> I mean, say what you want about Peter Gabriel, but he does definitely puts an effort into uh, how he looks on stage. He really, really yeah, goes overboard a little bit, doesn't he? Mm-hmm. Uh, plenty of that to come. Have you seen anything from the Taylor Hawkins tribute this week? You know what? I, I've i seen clips, but to be honest, I, I, find, it quite, I find it quite heartbreaking, so I haven't mm. really been able to watch much of it. I've seen parts where his his sixteen year old son is is drumming. Yeah, I saw for, that. Yeah. For for the song My Hero, I don't know if he plays for other songs, but you know, I was just like, oh god, I can't watch that. I'm gonna be I'm gonna be crying my eyes out. <laughs> but that's yeah, that's 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 beautiful, really, a beautiful tribute, and yeah, it's so sad, a real shame. Yeah, I, I mean, I was just so surprised how big it was. I mean, I knew that there was this tribute show. Was it one? I don't know if it was one night or several nights. I'm not sure. It was at Wembley, wasn't it? Oh, was it? Wow. I think it was at Wembley Stadium, yeah. Uh, and I, I don't know how many nights it was, but uh, I was just surprised how big it was. There was so many, so many acts. I heard that Rush were playing as well. Quite possibly, yeah. I, I haven't seen that, but quite possibly. I mean, there were so many acts playing. But they had uh, loads of people. <laughs> I mean, they had ACDC. But they had, really? um, wow. they had uh, the Darkness. They had uh, Queens of the Stone Age. They had. Uh, after, I don't know. I can't. I can't think now. I can't think off the top of my head. Uh, there were a few that stuck in my mind because they were bizarre. They had Sam Ryder from Eurovision. No, that's no way. Wow. Yes okay. way. <laughs> I don't know okay. why. I don't he know where does, he, he came from. He does look a bit like Taylor Hawkins, I guess. I, I don't. I don't know if he picked. Maybe Dave picked some of these people because they were personal friends. But didn't did Taylor pass away before the Eurovision? Uh. Ooh. So it does seem bizarre that Sam Ryder was now there. You're asking, I don't know. They had Kesha there. Now I didn't think Kesha had released any music for a, for a long while. Is she current? And then the one that the one that I wasn't sure about was they had, well I've said they had Queens of the Stone Age, right? They had Josh Homme there, and Josh Homme did a tune, sung yeah. some vocals for another tune, and I thought that was a little bit off because Josh has been in a lot of trouble lately, hasn't he, with his uh, accusations from his wife and his children about his abuse and uh, yeah. I just thought oh that's a little bit it's a little bit grey isn't it yeah a bit dodgy let's look up who was there okay already googling and there's Gaz Coombs oh really uh, oh that's right I remember him on saying that on, on social media actually yeah that's yeah. that's the guy from Supergrass yeah he's got got some uh, cool glasses on and a hat on that's amazing but they were friends weren't they I remember that from when we did the Supergrass mm. episode they were Foo right. Fighters were massive they... fans of Supergrass well didn't Supergrass um, support them mm. and I remember seeing a video of uh, Taylor was playing uh, he, he played Lenny or something on, on stage with them oh so uh, Paul McCartney was there as well uh, Brian May and Roger Taylor mm-hmm. 
It's impressive, really. Amazing. It's a really impressive show. It's clearly, he's a very well-renowned individual. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, or, or Dave knows how to how to drum up a crowd, but but yeah, I'm sure it's, he does. Yeah. It's an, a very impressive show. It is, yeah. Oh, amazing. I was inspired this week by the release of the new album by uh, the Who, the Who, yeah, uh, the oh, Mongolian the, uh... Mongolian indigenous rock fusion band. I can't. I know. I know that. I just can't help doing that joke. <laughs> yes, I love the Who. Yeah, S L H U. Yeah, H U. I actually haven't listened to that album yet, but well, after its release, I was I was in the mood for something uh, of that uh, of that style, and I discovered this band called Hallucination. Ooh. Uh, the Hallucination, which are really cool. Hallucination. Yeah, so they're these two guys from, I think they're Canadian. They're these two guys from a previous group called A Tribe Called Red. Yeah, and I don't, uh, confusingly, the album by Hallucination I've been listening to is called A Tribe Called Red. So that's really confusing. But anyway, it's really cool. It's really good music. It is, well, according to them, their music is an homage to a style that was developed at a club night in Ottawa. And that, that club night was called Electric Powwow, which I think is fairly descriptive. You can imagine what that kind of music sounds like. But for me to put it in my own words, it, is a fusion of indigenous uh, Native American music and various electronic styles, but mostly, I mean, the, this this album, A Tribe Called Red, has got some like drum and bass and breakbeats in it, but really it's mainly chill, trip-hop vibes, and it's really good, really, really good. It's like the, it's the perfect mix of electronic sounds and that traditional Native American sound. Lots of, lots of oh, percussion, yes. lots of drumming, and... Uh, singing uh, like really really cool Native American singing yes I, I heard this and I absolutely loved it yeah yeah it's really good I'd strongly recommend it I don't know if they've got any other albums Hallucination but yeah I, I read that they're from a band called A Tribe Called Red so I'm guessing A Tribe Called Red have some stuff out there that I can listen to so I'll be checking that out nice really nice other than that I've been pretty head down with work lately so I haven't had a chance to discover much new music been listening to Spongle. do you know Spongle? No, but it sounds uh, it sounds like a cool name for a band. Yeah, it's, well, it's just a, I think it's just a guy. I think it's just a it DJ. Like a, it sounds like a Pokemon. Yeah, it's a weird name, isn't it? Spongle. Uh, Spongle's just like very spaced out, chill, psychedelic trance. Spongle. It's good music to work to. So I've been listening to that a bit, but other than that, yeah, I've been I've not been very exciting. Listen to lots of Peter Gabriel. Fortunately. Have you? All right, mm-hmm. that's nice. What about you? Not very much new music, to be honest. I have been revisiting Björk. <laughs> one of my favourite artists of all time. Yeah, what did you think uh, of her new single? I really like it. I really like it. Mm. Uh, it's absolutely batty. Have you? Have you? What do you think? I think that it's it's a good song, and I, I like the music. I think that's really cool and very current as well. I think she's she's moved moved ahead a little bit with the sound of the music. But I think that overall, the whole song, even though it's great, it's not anything wildly different for her. It's if you'd told me that was on a 2010 album by her i could have believed you i don't i don't think she's i don't think she's breaking any barriers so the new song is called atopos i'm not sure if that's how it's pronounced and if if it feels it sounds really postmodern and wacky i mean there's there's like well in the video anyway there's there's a, a, a group of um baritone sax players like doing these funny little stabs and the melody is all over the place and yet it's quite catchy once you've listened to it once you're like oh yeah i can follow that now and these the drums are pretty intense you know it's yeah. it's kind of like a weird club 
tune from another dimension. It does sound like nothing else out there, which is typical Björk. I really like it, and I'm really excited because she's got a new album out soon called Fossora. I'm trying to print it. I'm trying to practice my Icelandic accent. That's good. I liked it. Yeah, I thought it was very good. I don't mean to be too critical. I just um, I didn't think it was. It she wasn't doing anything that I didn't know she could already do. No, of course, of course, yeah, yeah. But it's a lot more. It feels a lot more upbeat than stuff she's been. She's done in the last sort of two, three albums, I think. Yeah, yeah, and she's also got a podcast out called Shonic Shimbalism. <laughs> that was good. that was good. <laughs> uh, where she goes through all her albums and talks about uh, the stories and the textures and the timbres. Of the You're sounds. nailing it. Have you been watching a lot of Björk interviews lately? I'm just listening to it a lot, and and I think she's got the coolest speaking voice. Oh, has the podcast started? Yeah, yeah, it's got the first three episodes out. Oh, so. right. Oh, I didn't realise. Oh, I'll check it out then. Yeah, and the, the new album, on well, on the front cover, she's surrounded by weird mushrooms, and she looks like the mushroom bean. Maybe she's been playing a lot of Super Mario or something. <laughs> that is amazing artwork, but it's always amazing artwork from her, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, it really is, yeah. Peter Brian Gabriel was born in Chobham in England in February 1950. <laughs> That's an unfortunate town, isn't it? Chobham. Chobham. Chobham, mate. After performing in various bands throughout high school, he eventually formed Genesis in 1967. A commercially disappointing debut resulted in the band breaking up, but they eventually reformed and went on to release five further studio albums. Many of these broke the UK top ten and Genesis springboarded Gabriel into the limelight. In 1975, he left Genesis and embarked on a solo career. Gabriel's impressive 1977 solo debut solidified him as an act in his own right. He released four self-titled studio albums from 77 till 82. In this collection of works, he explored art rock, folk and world music and subtle progressive rock elements. In 1986, his album So introduced a much more pop-influenced sound and brought in a new era of his music which carried for three studio albums up until 2002. This period was followed by a number of covers collections and throughout his career he has released soundtracks and other collaborative works. Outside of the studio, Gabriel has been involved heavily with humanitarian work and campaigning in various forms. He is a massive promoter of world music, has started a non-profit to document human rights violations, and Time magazine named him one of 100 most influential people in the world. He is currently in the process of recording his first studio album in 20 years. He's a busy bee, isn't he? He's a really busy bee, yeah. Did you know he's, he's still recording his uh, his follow-up album? I, I know that it's been he's been kind of talking about it for years and years yeah. so it's it's fans have been expecting it for such a long time they were just yeah the heads are going to explode when it kind of comes yeah. out i mean he's, he's hinting that it is definitely still being recorded so it's not like it's mm. just been forgotten about but mm. uh, but anyway there's plenty of time to talk about that what's your history with uh, peter brian gabriel oh yeah we go way back in chobham <laughs> <laughs> no we don't uh Okay, so it's quite hard to quite hard to pinpoint really. I grew up listening to Genesis. I mean, Genesis throughout their history, and so I kind of absorbed his his sound, his voice by osmosis, I guess. 
um, but also we had the, I know this sounds bad, but the, his greatest hits album and we played it a lot in the car and we'd always put Peter Gabriel greatest hits on when we're decorating. So I associate it with that. That's cool. <laughs> um, and I loved his music from what I heard, but I never really sat and listened to his albums properly. I mean, this this has been a totally different experience, actually listening to his albums from start to finish with headphones on. I mean, I don't say this about every artist, but I think you've got to listen to his music with really good speakers, really good headphones, because the production's just out of this world. Yeah, there's a lot going on often. There's a lot of subtleties that you you don't pick up on the first time. Or... Yeah, yeah, there's so much so much clever stuff going on the drums are amazing um and and i i sort of vaguely knew about his stuff with world music from from college because we learned oh yeah this guy is the dog's bollocks when it comes to promoting world music you know with his womad organization so i knew i knew that he was a busy body uh with his fingers in lots of pies lots of political stuff so i i admired him um but that's that's really it yeah how about yourself I've got nowhere near as much to say as that, really. Um, he was, to me, he was a little bit of an enigma in that I, I knew him and was very aware of Peter Gabriel and know he's been around for a long time, but didn't really know his music that well. Obviously, knew Sledgehammer. Oh, uh, really? What's that? <laughs> and a few other, a few other of his hits from that era as well. Uh, but I wouldn't before this episode. I wouldn't have been able to name those hits. I just, you know, if, if you'd have played them, I would have sung along. And yeah, that's about it, really. Yeah, I obviously knew he came from Genesis, but those years of Genesis, I didn't really, I hadn't really listened to. I've only really listened to the mm. the, the Phil Collins years. Boo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that, well, I mean, are you are you not a fan of the Phil Collins years then? Because it's a different band, really, isn't it? It's a it's different totally sound. Diff- it's totally different. I mean, no, I just I just like to, I just like to poke fun. Really, I think Phil Collins, I think Genesis when they were a trio. I think it's. <laughs> I'm sorry for anyone out there who disagrees, but tough. Um, I think it's just really tacky, and the stuff led by Gabriel, or fronted by Gabriel. Sorry, not led by him because it's a group. It's totally in a, in a class of its own. It's it's fantastic progressive music. I went to see Steve Hackett in Genesis Revisited, which is a show he's been doing a while. He's one of the guitarists from Genesis, and. It's basically like a, a tribute band, kind of, but he's in it. So is it a tribute band or not? I don't know. Um, <laughs> but they're, they're playing Genesis songs from really early on, and they play them in full, and they sound phenomenal. So yeah, I didn't have a great great deal of history with Peter Gabriel. I only knew his face as the as the bald and grey-bearded face. I didn't even oh, really? know what he looked like when he was younger. Yeah. Wow. I don't know. I've just been sheltered, I guess. <laughs> You've seen him with his um, backwards Mohican or his inverted Mohican. Oh, no. When he was in Genesis, sometimes he would he would shave the middle of his head. So just oh, really? Line, no, I haven't seen that. A line of bald head and long hair all around it. It's just funny, like, the, the number of looks he's had. Oh, yeah. He's, he's a very visual character, isn't he? Yes, he is. But that didn't carry over on, you know, his his solo persona was wildly different really to his his genesis days yeah i guess it was i guess it was but then also in in his videos he does like to do some interesting things visually doesn't he he does we'll we'll get there we'll get there yeah 
I'm going to be asking five questions to help us discover a little bit more about Peter Brian Gabriel. I'll then be asking those five questions to our self-proclaimed superfan for this episode, which is Joe from Chicago. I will be giving Joe one point per correct answer and five points. He'll forever be known as a superfan. Are you ready to have a go at these questions yourself, Matt? Um, not really. I mean, as a as a disclaimer, so you can give. Are me the, oh, points. every episode is a disclaimer. <laughs> yeah, as a disclaimer, I <laughs> I'm still in the process of moving, so I had to do my research on my little tablet. So all my notes are on a tiny little screen. Hopefully, I this can. Is, this is disgusting. I can cheat quickly. This is embarrassing, Matt. As quickly as I normally can. Also. also <laughs> Also, can we clarify? So what are we going to call the first four albums? Because they are all called Peter Gabriel. Yeah. What are we going to call them? We're going to call them... Yeah, so I... I, Yeah, I'll call them Peter Gabriel 1, 2, 3, and 4 because I've still not got used to the names. What are they They're called? What are they? Glass? Car. Oh, car. Scratch, Melt, and Security. Security. Okay, I'll probably forget that. So I'll probably call them 1, 2, 3, and 4. Okay, question one. What year was Peter Gabriel inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? Oh my days, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame! I think it was relatively recent, wasn't it? It was like 20... 2014? Wow, you nailed it! Nice. That's brilliant. Well done, Matt. Twenty fourteen. Yeah, as a solo artist, he also got inducted in two thousand ten as part of Genesis. Ah, uh, yes, yes, that's cool. Yeah, it's yeah. quite late, isn't it? I, w- I would have expected that would have been a bit earlier. Yeah, it's 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 it is weird, but that Rock and Roll Hall of Fame thing, it's it's just bollocks, isn't it? It is really. Yeah, there's there's some people you think why aren't they inducted yet? What what was the year? Was it last year or something? There was like this campaign out because Judas Priest still haven't been inducted, but LL Cool J was inducted. <laughs> What? And Eminem, he was was he inducted last year or he was they were put voting out for Eminem and he didn't quite make it. I don't follow I don't follow these stupid vote things. Oh, I mean, it's so silly. But anyway, Peter Gabriel's in. That's what matters. Yeah. Yeah. The the saddest thing, the really sad thing, is that in twenty fourteen, when he was inducted as a solo artist, mm. he was inducted by Chris Martin. Yes. I recall reading that, yeah. That's a bit that's a bit embarrassing, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, and they really... played together. They performed together. Oh, did they? I didn't see that. They performed the song Washing of the Water. Oh, right. I didn't see that. I did see the perform. I saw some performance. So I saw him perform In Your Eyes uh, with You Soon Door. Oh, yeah. Nice. Yeah. Song. Yeah. Beautiful song and a really great performance. And his voice was killer on that. I mean, he was mid-60s. And mm. Peter Gabriel's one of those artists that his voice has really, like, objectively got better as his life has gone on, I, I think. I think he's mm. so much more character has been, and as an artist, I think the sound of his voice has matured so nicely. And there's a limit, of course. I mean, he'll, he'll get to like eighty or something, and it'll be singing like that, and it won't be it won't be nice anymore. But I do think that I think his voice has developed really nicely over mm. the course of his certainly over the course of his first five or six solo records. If you listen to like mm. uh, so us and up, and then you go back and listen to the early Genesis days. Yeah, um, his voice has, has developed so much. Very different, yeah, yeah. It's it's a very emotive voice, isn't it? It's it's, it's so really many, is yeah. So many nuances to it. Yeah, I was actually thinking, and this is this is a bit of a weird thought. You know, at the start of Sledgehammer, where there's that um. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think that sounds a bit like him as a flute. You mean you think he was making that noise? 
No, I think that's it. Sounds like his voice. I don't think it that was his voice. I think it's it. It sounds like him. I I know it was a flute, but <laughs> maybe. So if so, his spirit instrument is the flute. Probably, probably. Yeah. <laughs> when I were listening to to Sledgehammer with some really good headphones, I was like, it's, it's got the same kind of nuances, like the same kind of timbre as his voice. Like, I wonder if that's. Could have been deliberate. I mean, he spends a lot of time in the studio, doesn't he? Yeah, I think it, it caused a lot of strain on his family. Yeah. How much, how much he was working on his music. Yeah, I mean, he, he likes to spend a lot of time in the studio. And actually, that was the main reason, from what I understand from him, why he started Real World Studio uh, in Bath. Mm. Because he said, well, if I was to use someone else's studio, I'd be bankrupt because I just spend so much time there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like his, it's like his man cave. Yeah. Um, on a serious note, back to the Chris Martin thing, his his speech, Chris Martin's I, I can't stand Chris Martin, like I really can't stand him, but um, his speech was actually really nice and heartfelt, and his the, the auto cue, which had his speech on it, was not working, so he had to like oh, no. make it up or remember it on the spot, and you could tell that you know he was really speaking from the heart, so I'll That's give nice. him that. That's nice. He performed In Your Eyes with Yusu and Dor, like I said. Mm. That was from his fifth studio album, I believe, so, uh, which came out in 86. And that was a major turn in his style, isn't it? After his four Peter yeah. Gabriel albums. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Definitely. So it's a lot more accessible music. But at the same time, it feels very Peter Gabriel. And he uses a lot of world instruments, a lot of progressive music concepts. It's it's very clever pop. I think the world music is far more integrated in So and and yeah. Us than it was in the first four albums where you can really pinpoint it. You can really pick it out. I think So's a fantastic album. It really is. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's really good. Can I say something really controversial about So? Oh yeah, absolutely. Always, always. I think I think I think Sledgehammer kind of doesn't fit with with the album. Okay. Or or I think it's in the wrong place. You know, because you've got Red Rain, this gorgeous, like, landscape of sound and emotion. And then suddenly, <laughs> like, whoa. Yeah. And then what follows up Sledgehammer is Don't Give Up after that. Yeah, it's Don't, don't Give Up. Yeah. yeah. So that does seem odd then that Sledgehammer's in the middle of them. They're both much more emotional, somber tunes. Yeah. I would have put it next to Big Time or something. So there's a bit of a funky part of the album. But that's that's my only critique of the album because i think it's a it's amazing like i couldn't fault anything about the album it's good yeah it's, it's a really good record it's a really good record and sledgehammer as well i mean let's not forget it might be in the wrong place in the album but watching and oh my god like how many awards did it want to win oh ridiculous i mean it's, it's like the isn't it the most awarded video of all time oh i haven't read that but i'd believe it yeah so i mean it's it was the most played video on mtv history so yeah yeah mtv have never played a music video more than that which does i do find surprising because i mean it's a cool video and it's a great song but i had no idea sledgehammer by peter gabriel was that big so it won a record nine mtv Video Music Awards in 1987. Yeah. Video of the That's... Year, Best Male Video, Best Concept Video, Most Experimental Video, Best Overall Performance, Best Direction, Best Visual Effects, Best Art Direction, Best Editing. That's ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Do you think it's... I mean, it's a fun video, but do you think it's that impressive? I mean, it's it's very impressive. Obviously, they put a ridiculous amount of work into it. You know, it's it's by Ardman, who did the Wallace and Gromit and other things. 
Oh, I had that. I genuinely didn't know that. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Yeah they, did, yeah, they did. Yeah, they did it. And Nick Park, who is the the guy in charge of Wallace and Gromit, he did the chickens, the dancing chickens. Mm. So, Makes sense. Yeah. And, and Gabriel, he had to lie down for about sixteen hours doing the performance. Oh, whilst they're they doing were, stop motion on top taking, of him. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess. Well, the one thing that bugs me about the video, God, I'm so, so negative. I'm really not. I'm just letting it all out. It, Why are you such a hater? A, I'm not a hater. It's a <laughs> video. It's just that he's blink. His eyes are like going mental in it. It's like blinking, 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 blinking. And you just think, did the whole thing have to be stop motion? Well, or, it's, it's, not, it's more like, how did it win an award for best editing? Oh, well, the editing's incredible, dude. I mean, yeah, I mean, the blinking. Like, surely that's part of the editor's job, isn't it? <laughs> that's true. That's true. But like, like, they could have done stop motion for everything around him. You know the fruit and the chickens and the uh, the train. No, it was nineteen eighty seven, you know. man. What does that mean? I don't know. Like it just wasn't. It was a different time, wasn't it? They weren't that advanced. Well, that's true. But it's it's an impressive video and it's really fun and it still tops music video lists now. Yeah. You know. I've got here also. So it won those nine awards. Uh, the MTV Video Music Awards. It was also nominated for three Grammys. Um, I don't know how many it won. I've just written that it was nominated for three and it was nominated for two Brit Awards as well. Well done, mate. You and Peter Gabriel. Yeah. Question two. In the music video... Oh, what's this? A music video question. Ooh. In the music video to Steam, what is the license plate of the limo Peter gets out of? Oh, God, I have no idea. No, I, no, I'm, I didn't pay much attention to that. Can you, give, can you give me a clue, just for pride's sake? Okay, it's only letters. Is it up one t- is it up or so no. pg pg that's it yeah it's pg oh, that's it all right <laughs> i could have guessed that really couldn't i you could have guessed it yeah it's pretty clear like i know it sounds like a, an asshole question but it's when the camera pans in it does very clearly show the license plate quite big on the screen so you can see that it says pg oh, okay yeah yeah it's, it's a it's, wild it's, video that one it's bonkers video honestly. i mean they're all they're all wild aren't they but yeah but steam it's it's almost like They've just thrown as many ideas at it as they could. Yeah. And they're like, yeah, that's fine. You know, every second something's happened. Something's, you know, he's changed into this or that. And just slow down. God, it's, it's insane. That's yeah, it's not even much point in describing it for the listener because there's there's not really no. any theme. So, I mean, okay, so I've, I've written some, inter- I've read some interviews where they have talked about some themes, but to mm. watch it, it's really just like a roller coaster of psychedelic drug-induced madness yeah it really is it starts with peter and a a beautiful woman who is probably a famous model i'm sounding really stupid for not knowing but Mm. peter and a beautiful woman get out of a limo and he's wearing like this pimped out purple suit and hat yeah and uh and from there it just gets it just goes batshit from there really doesn't it (laughs) it is batshit yeah it's like a dmt trip Uh, that's it yeah it is it's it's the same director actually as sledgehammer Stephen R. Johnson, who actually, I found, he directed all the episodes of Pee-wee's Playhouse. Oh, I don't know Pee-wee's Playhouse. Do you not? Oh, no. It's, it's, it's very American. It's totally surreal. Kind of a kid's program, but kind of dark undertones as well. Oh, yeah, right. you'll have to look it up. But yeah, it's the same same director as Sledgehammer and Big Time, which are both also videos where there's so much going on. Yeah. Do you like the song, Steam? Yeah, I do like it. Yeah, it's catchy. Yeah, it is. I think it's a brilliant tune. The groove on it is, is great. Really good. Killer tune. It's from Us, so for the people that don't know, which was his mm. sixth studio album, the second from that series. So yeah, I think we were talking about this off air, so I'll just talk about it mm. again. Peter Gabriel's career seems to be in... His solo career seems to be split into sections. So his first four albums were a collection. 
and he marketed them that way very deliberately Mm-hmm. So they were all officially called Peter Gabriel, all four of those albums. And they all had the same kind of artwork on the front with the same font used for Peter Gabriel in the top left. Yeah. And stylistically, they're all very similar. They were uh, in within the same genre in many ways. And then he, he went on to another collection, which was the albums So Us and Up. So all two-letter names. And these three albums had a, had a much more pop influence to them. They were much more accessible and a bit more modern integrated the world sounds a lot better lost a lot of that those progressive elements of the earlier albums Mm -hmm. and then he did a third collection that was all covers and rehashings of previous tunes by him yeah i think that's a good way to categorize them i think his first four albums they are a lot more different than they first appear the first one it's it's really progressive and all over the place and the second one it feels a lot more like raw rock I think that his debut, though, Peter Gabriel 1, I'll call it, I felt that sounded a lot more modern than the other three. And it's, it's it sounded a bit weird to me, actually, when I went from Peter Gabriel 1 to Peter Gabriel 2, because it sounds like mm. the second one was recorded five years earlier. Yeah, the second one feels like it was recorded with a smaller budget. Maybe that's yeah, the it. Production, yeah. The production doesn't feel as, as great. But I like I like this this second collection though. I like so us up. I think they're they're brilliant albums. I don't think I knew anything from us before hearing it this time, but mm. I think that a lot of the tunes on there really yeah they really slam. They're brilliant. It's really similar to so I think I think he goes a little bit more experimental with the song structures and mm-hmm. I think he goes I think he has a bit more free reign with us. Mm-hmm. You know so feels a lot more accessible. I think you're pretty right. Other good videos on that album digging in the dirt. Have you seen the video yeah. for Digging in the Dirt? Yeah, that's that's really trippy. Yeah. Yeah, that's a weird one. That is, he's kind of lying and starts off lying in the grass. Mm-hmm. And um, all this grass and stuff is growing around him and over him. And uh, then there's like bugs and snails and cockroaches. And then it kind of descends into more psychedelia, really, where he's there's a boy digging in the sand and he finds a watch and there's coffee being spilled everywhere and more bugs and more cockroaches and he said that everything going on in that video reflects something going on in his life at the time oh right lots of like relationships ending and him trying to connect with his daughter at the time and his mental health issues so i think it's quite a therapeutic video for him in a way it's a good tune though i like digging in the dirt a lot really moody tune really like a thick overdriven guitar chugging away in the chorus mm. i really like that yes. another video from us have you seen kiss that frog <laughs> yeah i've seen kiss that frog oh do you know what it's so it's it's like cgi frog hunting it's a frog hunting down a girl it's all cgi though but it's it's cgi from 1987 it's proper ni- like Windows ninety five like screensaver CGI, isn't it? Yeah, it's 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 hard to watch. <laughs> it's, it's really hard. To watch. It feels a bit. It makes you feel a bit sick. But yeah, you know what's what's weird is when I was into Peter Gabriel years ago, I was looking into all his videos and I found out about this video and I I read somewhere that he actually used it for a simulator. You know, there's rides where you sit and it moves you around. Yeah, oh my God, that that would not be good. And I thought, yeah, that makes sense. It's it's clearly like a simulator video, you know, because you're kind of flying around. But it's flying everywhere. It's all over the place. Yeah, exactly. But but now researching for this episode, I couldn't find anything about that at all. I'm wondering if it was like if it's a Mandela effect or something because I, I know that I found that out years ago, and I couldn't find it now. So 
I don't know if someone can confirm that or not. It would definitely make a good simulator ride, or at least a very stimulating one. Yeah, for someone with a strong stomach. Oh, God, yeah. Um, And Blood of Eden, that's got a really beautiful video. Yeah, what are your thoughts on the song Blood of Eden with Sinead O'Connor? I really like it. It feels... It's like therapy, you know? It's like like oceans and washing, and Mm. I love the way that their voices blend together in the chorus. I I really like this song. I do think it's a little bit long. Mm. Yeah, that's the only thing. I thought after about five minutes, I was like, okay, yeah, this is going on a bit, but I, I like it a lot. I just think Sinead O'Connor's not there enough, really. I was quite excited to hear it when I when I saw that. Oh, this song's with Sinead O'Connor. Yeah, and, she um, needs she needs her own verse though, definitely. Exactly. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah, I was kind of wait the whole song. I was waiting for it, and you're right. It is. Yeah. It does go on a bit long, and it just never comes. Um, so her input is actually very subtle, yeah, and so and and the music video is is entirely the two of them. So you you think she has a much bigger part to play in the song course yeah that's true yeah I'd, I'd say that this video is one of the more straightforward videos he's ever made i mean it is still weird like <laughs> there's still some really weird shots yeah but most of it's just them floating through space or doing an interpretive dance to each other yeah no it feels a lot more arty rather than just batshit bonkers or everything at the wall all right good stuff matey question three according to petergabriel.com and that, I'm just saying that because that's where I got this information from, but it, it can be no, it, could, it can be reinforced it, elsewhere. It, it could be wrong. No, no, it's, it's true. It's true. <laughs> According to petergabriel.com, the album Up was recorded in four locations. England, Senegal, God. France, and where? I'm going to have to guess. Uh, New York? No. I mean, if it was a guess, you were never going to get it then. It was on a boat on the Amazon. Oh, really? Oh, that's amazing. Now, I've, I've trawled the internet to find what was recorded on the boat on the Amazon, and I can't seem to figure... I can't figure it out. I think it was very early during sort of conceptualising the idea mm. of what he wanted from Up, and I think maybe he recorded some, some beats and things when yeah. he was out there. Maybe it's the parts of the album where you can hear, like, monkeys and birds tweeting. Could be. I think, I think the majority of it was, uh, was England and, and uh, Senegal and France. Yeah, That's so cool. So, most exciting thing about Up is, for me, I wonder if you know what I th- like about Up. Tell me. It's cover art. Do you like the cover art of Up? If you can, can't water- remember drops. it, I'm going to talk it through. The water drops, oh, well, yeah. It's, it's water drops, but yeah, it's, at first I was like, okay, it's just water drops. But then I, 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 you closer look and you can see his face is behind it. Oh, mate, I think that's such a good image. Because it's, uh, it's like the blurred image in the background. Because the uh, first time you look at it, you think... It's just water droplets against a blurred background. Yeah. And then you realise it's water droplets against a blurred image of his face. Fine. Yeah. Oh, and then is. you realise that every water drop has got a refracted image of his face in it. Um, oh, had you not noticed that? Oh, it does. Oh, my God. Oh, it's yeah, so it's good. so cool. It's so cool. Wow. It's. I think it's an amazing album cover. I think it's brilliant. They look like, they look like little Peter Gabriel jelly beans. They do, yeah. Yeah. So I, th- I think, I guess they're images the same as the background image just mm. uh distorted for the for the shape of the droplets but i think it's such a good such a good album cover of the three two letter albums up is probably my least favorite it's got some weird angles to it like darkness is a really wild opener it's really heavy industrial metal sound and yes. then it like it flicks between that and then these dreamy pink floydy verses with like flirty little piano and yeah it's just a bizarre opener the Barry Williams show. Have you heard the Barry Williams show? It's the strangest tune about... It's about talk shows like Jerry Springer and stuff. 
So he's just kind of singing headlines of episodes. I don't know who Barry Williams was. Oh, yeah, I do. Was, was Barry Williams one of the actors from The Brady Bunch or something, I think I read? Barry Williams was the eldest of the Brady sons in Brady Bunch. Okay, so I'm sure there's a reason why Peter Gabriel has named the song The Barry Williams Show. But I don't know the point of the song, but the lyrics he's singing are kind of headlines for Jerry Springer like episodes, like my brother is actually my mother and stuff. <laughs> like, it's really, really odd. My lover stole my girlfriend. I keep beating up my ex. I want to kill my neighbour. My daughter's selling sex. Oh, my girl became a man. I love my daughter's rapist. My life's gone down the pan. Yeah, I see. It is basically like a Jerry Springer kind of show or like a Jeremy Kyle in the UK. But it, I mean, it's not very positive. And actually, the I mean, the album's called Up, which kind of suggests positivity. But, I, but there is a bit of darkness to this. I mean, the opening track is called Darkness, isn't it? Comes yeah. as a bit of a shock after some really funky feel-good tunes on So and and us yeah definitely I'm sure it was representing something dark in his life I guess yeah I don't know what was going on in his private life at that time I didn't. I haven't really looked much into his private life to be honest so I don't know do you know what what was going on around the mid 90s for him I don't know I mean he's he's had a lot of strange relationships with people has he yeah he apparently he had a bit of a thing with um with Sinead O'Connor after the breakup of his first marriage yeah but didn't she reveal that fairly recently did she in an interview yeah I think oh. that was quite a recent revelation she spoke about it last year. She described herself as his weekend pussy. Oh dear. Oh, I didn't read that. Oh gosh. Mm. Okay. Yes. R- rather from her mouth than mine. <laughs> that was from my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you can do a Bjork accent, but you can't do a Sinead O'Connor. No, I'm not going to try a Sinead O'Connor. <laughs> <laughs> so album covers. Are there any, any album covers that stick out for you? So oh, actually, the next question is about an album cover. Shall we move on to the next question then? Yeah, yeah, actually, yeah. On that note, question four. The photograph by Steve Geschmeisner featured on the cover of New Blood is of what? Oh, bloody hell. Oh, I've, I have absolutely no idea. I have absolutely no idea. Yeah, it's not surprising. <laughs> it's a really hard question. I generally didn't know. <laughs> it is an embryonic no, no. step... Oh. No, no, sorry, I was going to bring it up. I'm just going to bring it up and have a look because I thought it was just... I mean, I'm looking at it in, my, in front of me and, and I don't know what it is, but uh, I have no idea. I mean, it's a triangle with a, a green, like, alien blob on the top. Um, mm. But it looks like it looks like it's uh, a photograph, like a like a yep. microscopic photograph of something. But I don't yeah. know. I mean, I imagine something stuck on a needle, but I yep. do not know. No idea. Yeah, you've you got half of it. But if it's new blood, is it like a blood cell? Uh, it's not, but uh, well, maybe it is, and I'm not clever enough to know that this is a blood cell. It's an embryonic stem cell on a needle. Right. Okay. Okay. So there you go. It's a. I mean, it's a cool idea for. A, I think from the the se- this series of albums, which was New Blood, Scratch My Back, and I'll Scratch Yours. Yeah. They all had photos by Steve Geschmeiser on them, and I think yes. that this is the least impactful. I think of the three. Yeah. They're all kind of like medical themed, aren't they? Yeah, I think Steve Geschmeiser only takes microscopic images. Um, right, right. So I, I looked him up and I conf- I found him on sciencephoto.com. I'm sure okay. you can find his work in other places as well. But on mm. Science Photo, his portfolio there is all just yeah microscopic images of stuff. Tiny things. So this, this particular photo, part of a series of things on the end of needles. Mm. And you can see a few of them on sciencephoto.com. And cool. this photo is called Embryonic Stem Cell on Needle. And it's got a really good camera. <laughs> yeah, he's using his iPhone. 
<laughs> really good zoom. That would be a cool uh, advert for a new iPhone, wouldn't it? Like, oh, get amazing. It. I'd never leave the house. I'd just be photographing everything. Like, it's looking into a new world. Yeah. The most confusing thing in the world is the fact that this album, this album is called New Blood. But yes. the cover of a Scratch My Back is actually a blood cell. Yeah, that's weird, isn't it? Yeah. And it's, yeah. it's a strange... I don't know much about blood cells, but it's almost like a blood cell that's... It looks like a red blood cell that's folding into itself. Or I mean... Or maybe it's two blood cells sitting together. I think it's two, but but I, I don't know anything about blood cells either. <laughs> so maybe they all look like that. But it certainly looks artistic. Yeah, no, it, it, it's beautiful, actually. Yeah, it's, it's almost like a yin-yang kind of shape mm. on Scratch My Back. I, I guess it would make sense if it was two blood cells because he's collaborating with other people in somewhere or another, isn't he? And, yeah. And yeah. then the cover of I'll Scratch Yours... Mm. I don't know what that is actually, but again, it's a it's a microscopic image, isn't it? Yes, it looks like a weird little, like a little piece of COVID, doesn't it? Yeah, I saying, guess so. Yeah, like it, like a little piece of COVID saying hello, like waving. Yeah, I think I think really cool idea to use these these images. It is cool, and it, it's it gives it a bit of consistency, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. So I guess the consistency in the middle section, the so us and up, they're all pictures of him on the covers yeah but so were the first four aren't they although oh are uh, they are they all him so in, on, gabriel, and peter gabriel one is that him in the car yeah that's him in the car okay um, that's that's him scratching in number two and oh. that's him melting they took polaroids and he he sort of edited them like he when they were developing although peter gabriel four i'm not sure if that is anything to do with him because it's it's like a weird little it's like a weird sculpture yeah, I don't think it's a real image, is it? But of a, of a gremlin. I genuinely had no idea that was him in the first three. To be honest, I thought they were just yeah, yeah artsy yeah, photos. Yeah. Well, they are. They are very artsy. Well, photos. they are. Artsy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I thought they were just artsy photos. No, they're, they're just normal pictures of him. You know, like <laughs> you take <laughs> you take pictures of him like at a wedding, and his face is all melted. That's what it looks like. Yeah. <laughs> so new blood that yeah. this this album cover was the uh, the embryonic stem cell. Mm. It is a collection of his tunes, uh, orchestral versions of his yes. of his tunes. It's a cool idea. Yeah, I thought I wasn't going to like it very much at all, to be honest. I'm not a big fan of when bands or musicians do this, when they just take bit, their old music and they go, okay, well, let's put it against an orchestra. It's a bit yeah. self-indulgent, isn't it? It is a little bit self-indulgent. Yeah, it's a good good term to use. And I also just think it's a little bit unnecessary, which I know sounds vague, but that's kind of what I mean. Like, it's, it's you didn't need to do that. Like, we didn't need to hear it this way. We loved it the way it was. So I wasn't that excited about hearing it. But there's a lot to like about it, I think, actually. Yeah, I think a lot of it is really quite powerful and emotive in ways that the originals weren't. Yeah. I like the variety of the instrumentation that's used. I don't know what instruments are normally in an orchestra or, like, which ones normally get the limelight and which ones don't. But it's really varied and it's really... There's a lot going on. I like that. For sure, yeah. There, there isn't a clear direction he's going with it all. It's, mm. it's, he's just trying trying out different things. With yeah. Song. Salisbury Hill is nice, but it's not... It's I, I don't like that very much because I just love the original so much and it doesn't it's, match up to the original. Yes. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. I thought it was a bit strange. It's it's just such a classic groove on the original. Without that, it's just weird. Yeah. Shall we shall we mention the Salisbury Hill that's on? Yeah, I'll scratch yours. Yeah. Yeah. Shall I just? I'll just let me just do a quick introduction of those. This collection of albums was was three albums. The first one was an album called Scratch My Back, and Scratch My Back was Peter Gabriel covering songs by some of his favorite artists. 
Then he worked on an album called I'll Scratch Yours, where he got all those artists that he covered on Scratch My Back to then Mm. cover one of his songs. Most of them did. I mean, he got like three artists didn't want to be involved, but most of them did. And on that album, there's a version of Salisbury Hill sung by Lou Reed. (laughs) Well. Oh, my God. (laughs) If you you like Lou Reed, then I'm sure you'll love it. But I thought, oh, my God, this is just absolutely hurting my ears. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's not good. It makes me want to cry because it's such a great song and, and he's just butchering it as much as he can. And I'm sure he thinks it's a brilliant piece of work. And I'm like, oh my God, what have you done to this? Yeah, I mean, Peter Gabriel must have must have known what he was getting involved in by inviting Lou Reed because he's sure. got a sound. Oh, Lou Reed has got a sound. But at the same time, it's, a, it's an acquired taste and it takes an awful lot of alcohol to acquire it. <laughs> oh my days, yeah. Um, and... Big Time by Randy Newman. I struggled with that as well. I mean, I like Randy Newman's old stuff. I don't, I don't know what he's done the last couple of decades, but he just sounds like he cannot string a coherent melody together oh, when no. he's singing Big Time. And there needs to be lots of highs and lows in that, and needs to be exciting and upbeat. And it's, it's just a mess. It's a real, it's, it's a real shame. But maybe I'm just a bit of a snob. I don't know. I mean, um, Mercy Street by Elbow. That's quite nice. The other thing is, they're all great tunes. They're all great Peter Gabriel tunes. You know, they're going to have to do a pretty phenomenal job for you to want to listen to that instead of the original. That's true, but then then it's it's what you always say that like when you do a cover, it's good to have your own spin on it. What's the point in just doing it like the original? And and that's what Lou Reed's doing. That's what Randy Newman's doing. You know, they're they're doing it their own interpretation of it. Wikipedia says uh, three artists: David Bowie, Neil Young, Radiohead, declined to record covers of Gabriel's material. So three new artists were used, Brian Eno, Joseph Arthur, and Feist. Mm, well, that's cool. I mean, they are three legends, though, aren't they? It must be quite hard to pin them down. Yeah, I guess, but Peter Gabriel's a legend as well, so... Okay, all right, let's cool. uh, let's move on to question five. Oh, I'm not doing very well, am I? What's that, one and a half out of four? What's all this you half s- talk? You, s- you said you'd give me half a point for that needle one. No, I'm never doing that again. I, I made a mistake, did I? <laughs> no, you didn't. <laughs> question five. What was the name of the 1987 movie featured in the music video for Biko? Oh, God. That's a great question, because that is actually one of my favourite songs by him. And I've, I've not got a clue. That's, and I'm really gutted that I don't know that. Okay, so, so the, the question I was going to ask originally, I just reworded it because it was so prominent in the music video. But I was actually just going to say, what's the name of the movie for which Biko was used as part of the marketing campaign? Mm, I don't know. Okay. Well, the movie was Cry Freedom. Ah, uh, yes. Uh, it rings a bell. Yes, yeah, it's a sure. 1987 epic apartheid drama with right. Denzel Washington and Kevin Kline. Yeah, I, I remember seeing Denzel Washington in the in mm. the. Well, I'm not sure if it's the official video, but it's a video I saw. Yeah, I think that's the official thing. video. Yeah, it's got Peter Gabriel's face on the left hand side, and on the right, it's just showing lots of clips from the movie. Mm. Right. Okay. So yeah, the movie Cry Freedom is well. It says in it, an apartheid drama. I think it's the life of Stephen Biko. Denzel Washington plays Biko, and Kevin Klein plays Donald Woods, who was one of Steve Biko's friends. And this particular time in Peter Gabriel's life, he was very vocal and very active in the anti-apartheid movement. I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, bringing recognition and shining a bit of a light on South Africa so the rest of the world could see the atrocities. And... I don't know much about Steve Eco. I know that he was a prominent member of a resistance to apartheid in South Africa. 
and he, he was you know he was good at speaking and and sharing mess the messages and he was beaten up really badly by police and it was basically lethal he died from his injuries yeah uh, but then but then that the news of that spread and it became like a symbol for the abuse of the apartheid government yeah one of your favorites by peter gabriel yeah yeah it's just so beautiful and well put together and really striking actually i haven't got the quotes at hand but i know that when when he presented the album to the label they didn't want the song on there because they thought well who cares about this this random south african guy i mean that, that's that was that was what they said but he insisted on having it on the album and it just works so well it's it's really catchy and hypnotic and it somehow fits with the rest of the album you know you finish the album on that note and it's like whoa i guess the label's perspective was are you becoming a protest artist is that is mm. that it like and he's, he's always been in support of you know world music and he's always mm. spoken about things off the literal record <laughs> but yeah um, yes. But to then make that part of his music, I guess the label were just wary of. We haven't got a Bob Dylan on our hands, have we? But then, but then the album was incredibly successful. Yeah, I think it was. Num- I think it was number one in the UK, wasn't it? Yeah, it got to number one in the UK and number twenty-two on the Billboard Pop charts. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean, it did well. It did well. It's actually my favourite album by him. I think I would go for um, So or Us. Interesting. So you're you're more to the kind of middle phase. Yeah, my ears are not quite as advanced as yours, and so I, the <laughs> the uh, um, I think so and us are much more mainstream. I've still got a bit of evolution for my ears to, to go, but I like I, I like his early stuff, and I like his debut a lot actually. And we were talking before. Okay, I think this was off air as well, so maybe we didn't record this, but we were talking before about top fifty albums. Well, I would say Salisbury Hill is in my top fifty songs of all time. Mm, um, yes. Strangely enough, for someone who didn't know Peter Gabriel's music that well, I've you know Salisbury Hill is a song that I've listened to a lot throughout my life. It's an amazing tune, and I was surprised to to see that that was on his his, his solo debut. It should have been the opener, I think. Yeah, yeah, I think <laughs> is so. That, is that controversial to say? <laughs> no, I think you'll be all right. I don't think they're going to lynch us for that. We've said worse. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, first album, I think every song is beautiful and basically like perfectly arranged, I think. It's just that, to me, I think it's a weird mishmash because there's so many directions. There's jazzy and blues, there's classical, like he's got the London Symphony Orchestra playing on some tracks, and down the Dolce Vita, Whew, amazing. It's, it just covers all kinds of genres, and it's like, to me, it doesn't really work as a coherent piece of music. But maybe I need to listen yeah. to it more because I loved every minute of it. I mean, maybe you're right. Maybe you're right in that it lacks uh, consistency. Maybe he's trying to figure out who he is as a solo artist. A lot of debuts are like that. More often than not, they're like that, aren't they? Where throwing a lot at the wall, a lot of stuff that you like, and just yeah. seeing kind of how it how it lands. And... Yeah, yeah. Well, this brings us to a nice close. Let us take these questions, package them up, and then spit them out at Joe from Chicago and see how he does. Is he going to get more than one and a half? I really hope he does. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm sure he will. When I was in high school, I was listening to a lot of progressive rock. So I was listening to Jethro Tull and Yes and Genesis and uh, Rush. And um, out of that crop, Rush became my... Uh, you know, I was 14 years old and moving pictures had just come out. I, I, I was 
it was hopeless. I, I couldn't stop listening to that album for years. Um, but always had this, you know, thing about the, the Genesis, uh, for Genesis. And then, you know, hearing some of the Peter Gabriel stuff when shock, the monkey came out and, uh, and just like, yeah, that's pretty cool. And, and so I think it was, I think it was actually that album, uh, security that came out and I, you know, finally bought a Peter Gabriel album and, um, and just absolutely fell head over heels in love with it and started just, I'm a kind of fan who like, you know, once I start on something, I like have to be a completist. I want to find everything I can about them you know, or, or own everything I can. So I was buying bootlegs and all this stuff. So, and then you, you start learning about his, uh, more of his human rights aspects with Biko and things like that, that, that made you realize, wow, there's really something here that's very special. So, uh, it, it was pretty much, I was pretty much done at that point and only regretting the fact that I hadn't gotten into him a little sooner, you know? So that's, so that must've been sort of mid to late eighties. More early eighties. Cause it was about, uh, it was probably about 83 was when I first, uh, when I first bought security Okay. and, and about that time, like the next year he put out a live album and I bought that and, but I'd already bought his first, three solo albums and I bought all the early Genesis albums and did all that uh, as part of my educational experience because I certainly wasn't paying attention in high school. Um, <laughs> and so, and then it just grew from there. You know, I, I, I finally got to see him live in 86, uh, right after he put out So and, uh, you know, became a pop star <laughs> yeah. uh, with Sledgehammer and, you know, other songs. So, um, you know, it's, and then it's, it's pretty much been a lifelong love. Um, I, I, I don't even know if I would say that he's my favorite artist anymore because when a guy hasn't put out an album in 20 years, you, you start to lose faith a little bit. Yeah. But, um, but I still go, you know, those, those records are etched in my brain. So, um, they'll always be a major part of my, musical loves so what what was that first the first time you saw him live in 86 where was that he was touring uh the album so had just come out and he was playing for amnesty international um and so he was playing at a local uh you know barn here called mm. the uh the rosemont horizon and the 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 lineup for this was brian adams joan baez lou reed Peter Gabriel, U2, and a reformed reunion for the police. And um, and Peter came on like third or fourth and did a six-song set uh, that just, you know, shook me to my core. It was unbelievable with the, the, the movement he did on stage and the way he, you know, tried to act out his songs for the audience, even in a major place like that um and so i saw him then and then he toured later that year you know with the proper band and did the 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 so tour and uh saw him three times on that tour um and you know just really you know again just continued to be amazed by 
what this man was doing on stage and how he communicated with his audience and you know uh, it, from from every perspective you know just the using world music using uh, you know uh, African rhythms uh, uh, with a you know a lineup of musicians that were you know phenomenal Tony Levin is his has been his bass player for years and he's one of the best most innovative bass players I've ever heard and um, yeah, just saw him on that tour, saw him on the subsequent album tours, and uh, I've probably seen him six times in the last 10 years. So, Wow. That, that lineup, just to say that lineup sounds amazing, but I, I bet Brian Adams still counts his lucky stars. What was he doing there? <laughs> he must have thought he'd really lucked out on that lineup. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, what, you know, one of the really amazing things about that show was that you know it was billed as as a you know the police reunion was the headliner. You know that was the that was the thing. You know, they, and they had been broken up for what two years at that point, mm. <laughs> but it was their reunion, and but they came on after Peter Gabriel, who was amazing, after U two, who had not put out um, Joshua Tree yet, um, but did this scorching set that just basically was like a bomb went off on the stage. It was just blew the place apart and the police come out and it's like, so lonely, <laughs> you know, and, and you know, everybody was just spent by that point. They were just, you know, even, you know, you know, Brian Adams provided a, a you know, a bathroom stop time and, and, but uh, you know, he was pretty popular at the time. So, there was uh, there was definitely people who were jamming along to him as well. And tell us about the time that you uh, got to interview him. Yeah, one of my, uh, you know, I'm I'm a radio production guy, so I don't get to do many um, on air interviews, and I and I always consider myself to be like one of the luckiest people in the world. I mean, who can say that they've done one radio interview and it turns out to be their favorite artist ever? You know. Um, well, it, it it's a turn. What happened was it was after the album Up had come out, and he was uh, opening his tour in Chicago, and so this is two thousand late two thousand two, and he uh, one of our DJs was supposed to go do the interview, and she was sick, and our music director at the station is like, well, we'll you know we're, we're going to have to give up, or the boss said we're going to have to give up the interview, and music director said hey just send joe he he can interview him like without even prepping he knows everything he needs to know and so my boss begrudgingly let me do it um we went to the show it was the second night of the tour we went the first night just as fans and found out about doing the interview like at three o'clock in the afternoon on the day that i was going to do it so called my wife and we grabbed the, you know, grabbed the kids, got in the car, drove back down to the, the theater, and uh, and you know watched the show, and then went back, and again they sold you know this the his handler says to me you know he's got you got twenty minutes you know, uh, that's it, and my boss had given me very specific instructions. I want you to ask him about every song on the new album because we don't know which ones we're going to be playing. And I want to have song intros for those songs. 
And it's like, oh, well, that's going to take the whole, <laughs> the whole interview right there. I won't be able to delve into anything. And, um, and I got started doing the interview and I walk in and he like offers me a beer and, you know, he's just the, like the kindest, softest, gentlest man in the world, you know, which I thought that was his persona anyways, but, you know, to be sitting, sitting there with him and him being so, you know, nice to me directly, uh, was amazing. And so we started talking and, you know, I was trying to get in some questions about things that, about the album specifically. And, but I wanted to ask him more questions about, you know, like his work on the soundtrack for the last temptation of Christ. And, um, you know, the, like how, how does he work in an area of world music, you know, things like that. And, um, during the interview at one point, I, I, I was asking him about a song on the, on the new album at that time, uh, called no way out. And which is a rather, uh, emotional song about a parents losing a child in a car accident. And, um, I have had had something similar happen in my family, my, to a sister. And I was, I'm asking him this question and, all, and, and I'm staring at Peter Gabriel and I'm like, feeling the emotion of telling, of asking about this song. And I started tearing up a little bit and he, he looks over at me and he says, are you, are you all right? And I, and I told him the story about my, uh, my niece and he, he like puts his hand on my shoulder and he's like, he's like, that's, that's horrible. That's tough. You know? And, and he said, uh, you know, you need a minute, you know? And I'm like, well, I've only got 20. He said, we'll, we'll take as much time as you need. And from there, it just, it just, we just kept talking and, um, asking him all sorts of questions. And, you know, I still don't think I got to, you know, one third of the things I wanted to talk about. And, but afterwards we brought, I brought the family in, he took pictures with my kids. My kids were, uh, you know, like seven and 10 at the time. And, you know, he's like notorious for not smiling in, in photos mm. and he's got my kids on either arm and he's like, let's make a growl at the camera. So I got this picture of him, you know, big cheesy grin on his face, smiling and my kids laughing. And it's just like, oh, it's just so great, you know? And, um, it was just the absolute perfect, perfect interview, you know, like just the, I never need to do another one again. Yeah, Chris, you'll always be the second best interview I've done. I'll take that. Yeah, what a story! There's, there's not much more you can say. That's that's an amazing story, and uh, it would be an amazing story to have with any artist of his size. But for it to be you know, your favorite, your favorite artist, and someone you've l looked up to and respected, what an experience! That's amazing. Yeah. I have no doubt that you are a super fan, but of course, do need to test your knowledge and find out how well you really know the man. Okay, now I gotta now I gotta put the book away with the stories I was made up for you, <laughs> and bring yeah. out my trivia book. <laughs> yeah, you gotta put well, you gotta put all your memorabilia away. You gotta go sit in a dark room, put the inter turn the internet off. Okay, so here we go. Five questions. Okay. Question one: What year was Peter Gabriel inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? I want to say twenty fourteen. Oh, very good. It was very quick. It was 2014. It was. It absolutely was, yeah. And for a bonus point, 
do you know when Genesis? Because he's been he's been to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame twice. He went with Genesis and he went as a solo artist. I'm pretty sure Genesis was before then, and I think I, I don't know the year, but I think it might have been like 2008. Okay, no, 2010. 2010. Okay. Well, that's fine. You nailed it with 2014. Very good. I don't have to flog myself. <laughs> you don't have to. No, no, you could you could put it away. Yeah, 2014, and uh, and a really great set as well. Really great performance from him, and uh, and a really surprisingly heartfelt speech from Chris Martin. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. And I, you know, and and Coldplay has always been one of those bands that's like, well, you know, you know, as a elitist snobby music fan, I'm really not supposed to like this band that just plays for the arenas. Yeah, and uh, but. But yeah, just a very heartfelt, very, you know, warm uh, speech by him. You know, it's like, okay, I'll give the guy some credit, credit for that, right? Yeah, yeah. So very good. You're on 100%. Question two. This is a tough one. I'm quite proud of this one. So <laughs> if you can get this, then you can take a breather for the next question. Question two is, in the music video for Steam... What is the license plate of the limo Peter gets out of? Wow. Yeah, this is this is good, Chris. This is <laughs> this is a heck of a question. I am going to say that and this is a LARP because I really don't I really cannot remember this. I don't think I remember, but I'm gonna say big time. It's a strong guess. It's a strong guess, but it's not. No, the, the license plate says PG. Ah, yeah. Oh, the simple ones. Okay. God. I know, but in fairness, it's such a crackpot music video. It, trying to remember anything from that video is uh, is a, is a is a test in itself. Yeah, it's pretty bonkers. And, and think about the pressure of you know you put out Sledgehammer, the which becomes like the number one video on mtv of like all time yeah and it's like how do you follow that you know like what what do you do for an encore and Mm -hmm. how do you you have a song that's in a similar vein to that and you have to make something you know that's that's ups the ante a little bit you know so yeah he's he's pretty pretty wild with the videos yes yeah so you're not losing any street cred from getting that question wrong because that was a hard question question three is uh is equally as hard question three is according to petergabriel.com the album up was recorded in four locations england senegal france and where i want to say um he was talking about it being involved with rivers and i think he talked about it being him taking a tour to the Amazon. And so I'm going to say Peru. I'm, I'm giving you the point. It's amazing. I, I don't know that the answer is Peru. In his words, uh, he's he said on a boat on the Amazon. Okay, so but, there we go. But you'll get the point. That's, that's amazing because not only... I mean, I, I took that fact from his website, but I couldn't. I did Google it a lot, and I could not find any more information about it as to what was recorded on the Amazon. So you have inside information. <laughs> no, I I remember him talking about the album because uh, you know that was eight years in or ten, almost ten years in between the previous uh, album Us, and 
he was talking about the themes of the album being about rivers and water and you know up the nile up the uh, up the ganges up the amazon so that was where that resonated with me was that you know he had done some source recordings in that area that's amazing i'm very impressed very impressed by that well i thank you chris question four the questions are very impressive too by the way I don't oh know good oh, stop it stop it if you you know if you i, I was expecting you know uh, was Salisbury Hill about the breakup of Genesis? You know, oh, no, I'm not giving points I, away I like that. I would have clicked off. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I don't give free points. No, no. Question four is, the photograph by Steve Geschmeisner featured on the cover of New Blood is of what? A red blood cell. Oh, you've been fooled by Peter Gabriel. Because he put he put the red blood cell... On the cover of... Yeah, I scratched my back. Scratch my back, yeah. Very confusingly, that he's, he didn't put the red blood cell on the cover of New Blood. He put an embryonic stem cell on the cover of New Blood. Now I'm remembering it. Yeah. Oh, okay, I'm, pic- I'm picturing it. In, and this, this, this proves, by the way, that I'm not sitting here with a, uh, a, you know, a sight up or anything looking for, <laughs> yeah. you know, album covers or stuff like that. So... Um, I really am trying to go right off the top of my brain. Yeah. Do you like the uh, Do you like the musical output where he went with the orchestral thematics? I was surprised that I did. I I rolled my eyes a little bit when I read it mm-hmm. because generally I'm not a big fan of that. I feel sometimes it's a bit low hanging fruit and just oh you've not got any new material so we'll do this and that'll that'll be another album we can put out. But actually, I I really enjoyed some of the renditions not all of them yeah they didn't they didn't do short shrift on anything you know they 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 wrote some amazing charts to get those arrangements and and taking things that are so percussion heavy and turning them into turning them into orchestral arrangements is is amazing you know the 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 song intruder which was the song that that um basically developed the phil collins drum sound uh, you know the in the air tonight uh, gated drum sound, and it was just it was discovered on Intruder, but then you hear it live. You hear it in this orchestral setting, and there's it's amazing what they did to to still make you feel the way those drums made you feel. Yeah, yeah. And, and whilst we're on the subject, uh, what did you think of uh, Scratch My Back? Uh, I like it a lot, except for two or three songs. Um, the ones I like a lot, I really like. You know, they're they're great. But um, he had a big swing and a miss for me with uh, covering Radiohead's "Fade Out," because <laughs> and he asked Radiohead to you know do a song for the other one, and they didn't. Yeah. They didn't oblige. And I'm I'm curious if the reason they did was they heard his version of Fade Out and said, uh, no way, no, that's horrible. <laughs> so I don't know what he was thinking with his vocal arrangement on that, but it's 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 nails on a chalkboard. And for a guy whose voice is so incredible to me, it just doesn't make any sense. Mm. He he did, and I'm sorry, I go on and on about this stuff. Uh, he he did. I think he was experimenting with figuring out what he was going to do with this scratch my back that concept. He did a cover of Vampire Weekend's um, 
uh, Cape Cod Quasa Quasa with the band Hot Chip. And that's the one that has the lyric, you know, um, feels so natural, Peter Gabriel tune. And, and he did it where he was singing that, and he said, and it feels so unnatural to sing your own name. <laughs> and <laughs> so it was kind of, you know, funny that he, that he chose to do that song or somebody told him to do that song. And, but I think that was a different direction he was thinking of taking the cover album at that point. Yeah. But if you ever, you know, if, if you like Vampire Weekend and you like Peter Gabriel, that's a, a song to check out at some point. Yeah, I'll dig that out. Yeah, that'll be fun. Okay, awesome. Well, two out of so four. Where are we at? No, we are like, like, We're two out of four. You got one left. Okay. Question five. What was the name of the 1987 movie featured in the music video for Biko? Um. Hmm. Probably I can remember the name. Um. Because it wasn't called Stephen Biko, it was. Um, I think you might be stumping me again, and I'm going to remember it right when you say it. Um, nope, I can't remember it. Yeah, I'm giving up. Oh no, it's Cry Freedom. Ah, yeah, I remember oh, right now. <laughs> have you ever seen it? I have. I have. Oh. Okay. But probably in 1987, <laughs> so, which is why it's not right in the front of my brain at this point. <laughs> no, that's understandable. Well, two out of five, and they were tough questions. There's a couple there that I'm putting on my, my wall of fame. Well, there will be some flogging of my, myself after this call. Oh, so of course, of course. For, for, you know, for just, how can I be so stupid? <laughs> so. For people that are listening who don't necessarily know Peter Gabriel's music that well, could you give a couple of sentences to entice people and give them a reason why they should be listening to his music? Somebody once described Peter Gabriel as a man whose voice could make the hardest grown man cry. And I've always found that he has a way to bring emotion to the lyrics that he sings that really make you believe that he is feeling the that emotion as he's singing it and so that would be my number one recommendation as to why you should listen to Peter Gabriel there's so many others but his voice is the thing that I think would draw people in so there you go there was joe from chicago chicago joe well done yeah it's, it's cool to be able to interview your musical heroes yeah totally oh man so, some of i mean everyone we interview has pretty much got a, a cool cool story like that or something but yeah I mean, it's amazing actually joe had an had another really cool story as well that i cut out but but i'll, I'll play it here i'll play it here I went to a high school um, in the suburbs, and Eddie Vedder was in a high school about five miles from where I was at. Oh, right. And, um, yeah, didn't know him or anything like that, but I was at a party when I was in high school, and we the party wasn't too great, so some of my friends who lived in Evanston, which is where Eddie That's was right, from. That's right, Evanston, from, yeah. Um, they said, let's, uh, there's another place, there's another party going, let's, uh, let's head there, you know? So we all crammed into a car, and, you know, so I'm sitting there, and my, my friend Rudy says, oh, this is Ed. 
you know, Ed, this is Joe. And I shake hands with him and everything like that, you know, and talking. And, you know, this is way before Pearl Jam was Pearl Jam. Mm. But, you know, found out years later that that was Eddie Vedder. Oh, wow. So I, you know, I, I... I was very intimate and close with him in a cramped car of sweaty <laughs> high school boys. Chicago is a cool place for music, isn't it? I guess so, yeah. Well, I mean, it's <laughs> if Billy Corgan wasn't there, but Billy Billy the Fun Police is patrolling around, <laughs> making sure everyone's having a miserable time. <laughs> oh, God. Billy Corgan and the Fun Police. That's his new band. Yeah. Problem is, he doesn't need a new band because he's still in Smashing Pumpkins. And have you seen him before? Like... He just looks because he still looks the same as he did in the '90s now with his baby head, um, but but of course he's older now and he's a bit unshaven, and he's he just an looks baby. he looks like like a bad uh, parody of Smashing Pumpkins. I, I don't I I try and avoid Billy Corgan as much as I can. <laughs> so no, I have not seen him. <laughs> oh, oh I just every now and then I see him on social media and he just if Weird Al was doing like a a, a, a Smashing Pumpkins bit. Mm. I think oh, he'd look yeah. like he'd look like Billy Corgan does now. Oh god, yeah. <laughs> god. I have a weird fact about Peter Gabriel before you yeah. finish and I hope someone can verify it, but <laughs> I'm not sure. It's it sounds like bullshit. I have read somewhere online, which obviously makes it suspicious, um <laughs> that he basically invented the crowd surf. Mm, interesting falling back into the crowd and no one had ever done that before so that was a big thing for peter gabriel and it when are we when are we talking do you think genesis days i think this is like the second album i think that's why that's what i read but i'm (sighs) i i'm not sure i think it's bullshit but i'm not not sure sure on that i'm not sure and i also found a 1971 at a festival he dove off the stage and broke his leg while performing a song called the knife uh this was a this was in genesis and some fans lifted him back on the stage and he finished on his knees so he was singing with a broken leg and the rest of the band left him on the stage because they thought it was just part of his theatrics all right that's a good story yeah i mean i mean that's almost like he was trying to do the crowd surf and people didn't know what crowd surfing was so they just moved out of the way and he fell and broke his leg but i don't know oh do you think do you think in his head he'd conceived the crowd surf but he forgot to tell everyone (laughs) Yeah, this is like this is my chance to invent the crowd surf, and he jumped in, and everyone's like, "Nope." Yeah, I'm not sure about him inventing the crowd surf. I'm sure people crowd surfed before him. I mean, it's well, it's it's like when people say Michael Jackson invented the moonwalk. He didn't. It's just he made it famous. Yeah, he uh, made it his, and he popularized it. Yeah, exactly. So is that what Peter Gabriel did? He made the crowd surf his and popularized it. Like, I don't even think he popularized it. When I think of crowd surfing, I don't think of Peter Gabriel. No, I don't. I think of Eddie Vedder and people like that. Yeah. So I think it's bullshit, but I'm curious what fans think of that. Yeah. As always, superfans, if you want to get in touch with us, you can do so uh, on the contact form at superfannews.net. You can follow us on social media at superfancast and all the social medias, apart from the ones that we're not on, like Instagram and TikTok. And you can email us at superfancast.outlook.com if you have a recommendation for an episode or you want to be featured on an episode. You can get in touch and tell us that. Well, we are we are sort of on TikTok, aren't we? Well, <laughs> for a little while. We were. Yeah, yeah, I removed it. It's all gone. Oh, you removed it? Oh, that's a shame. Yeah, I, de- I, de- I de-ticked us. Oh, dear. Well, if, if anyone's got any recordings of the TikTok videos, then keep them because they could be worth a lot of money in the future. Oh, yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah. 
<laughs> just think they'll crop up they'll crop up in my retirement years yeah that's and, um, and i'll auction them off for charity chris, chris's floating head giving reviews i'll auction them off to pay the energy bills but uh, that'll oh, be it's oh. another conversation isn't it oh oh, oh topical. uh thank you for joining us <laughs> thank you for joining us uh please join us again in two weeks time we really look forward to it two weeks time will be the final episode for season two and we're going to be taking a look at the wonderful year of 1991. Or we'll find out if it's a wonderful year or not, won't we? Yeah, it could have been a terrible year. Well, I think, no, I know it was a great year. It was a great year. Yeah, so far from what, I mean, I've, I've only looked at it for two seconds, but it looks like there were some fantastic albums released that year. And the 90s generally was, was a good decade. This 91 is right at the beginning, but the whole grunge era was right at the beginning so that was a great era for, for music really good I'd say it was the last great era the last great decade of music <laughs> last great yeah 90s was yeah grandpa moment until then keep rocking stay safe and we'll see you next time bye 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 bye